0: It's the song of praise from from the lips of of Mary. We want to look at that together today. And so I'm going to read that as we start this off this morning, this portion of our our service. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, and it starts in verse 46 through verse 55. Mary Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and I, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him, He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, To Abraham and his offspring forever. It's the hymn of Mary. The hymn of Mary. And you know, uh, there's a lot of questions about this particular hymn and these particular truths that are in her hymn. Because, as you know, Mary was probably 15 or 16 years old. So she was very young. And there are those who say that it's impossible for someone that young to be able to have this much theological understanding. Well, there's two reasons that I disagree with that. The first one is that every, every child that was born in a Jewish family regularly were involved in reading the Halil, reading the Psalms, singing the Psalms. And all of these truths come right from the Psalms. They were also all, especially the girls, the young girls, they were all familiar with Hannah's prayer. Because being barren was not a good thing in those days. Having children was a blessing from God. And so when you think about these things that she was accustomed to and was familiar with, heard, sang, and was involved with on a regular basis, I don't think she would be ignorant of these truths. Maybe she didn't quite comprehend all that she was saying in what she said as she quoted from the Old Testament. But how much do you and I know of what we quote? (laughs) Come on now. But there's a second reason why I think that it's a foolish thing to say she was too young. Don't you remember that we just looked at this last week? Last week the angel shows up, Gabriel shows up and says to Mary, you're going to have a child. And she says, how? How can this be? And then the Bible says that the response of the angel is that you will be overshadowed, you will be engulfed by the Spirit of God engulfed by the Spirit of God and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And with men, things are impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Mary has just finished visiting with Elizabeth. And you know that Elizabeth's womb was also a miraculous work of God through Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. And... John the Baptist is hanging out inside Elizabeth's womb. He was was God's messenger to prepare the way for the coming of the Lamb of God. And when Mary shows up, who's been overshadowed and engulfed, and she now carries the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe inside her. And as she shows up, To hang out with her cousin because the angel said, God's done a miracle in your cousin. So Mary shows up, and what happens? Elizabeth is hanging out. She sees sees Mary, and as they have this time of connection, immediately the Bible tells us that John the Baptist jumped. I mean, he did a hallelujah from in the womb. (laughs) He was excited. He was recognizing. She was filled, overshadowed with the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is quite capable of taking a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, as in this case, a 20-year-old, even a 90-year-old, and give them insights they never had before. That's the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and helps us to understand it Without the Spirit of God, who's the author of the Word of God, you can't understand the truths that are in the Word of God. People will often say, you know, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I I understand that because I remember that I didn't get it for years. I really didn't get it. And then on June 20th, 1973, I got it. And the difference between reading the Word of God before that day and after that day is completely different because before that day I didn't have the Spirit of God. Before that day I was not a child of God. Before that day I did not have a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. After that day I did. I had the Spirit, I had the author of the book. It was like a whole new life. By the way, it is. The whole new life. So Mary, empowered by the Spirit, Having experienced a lot of these things and memorized them and sung them on a regular basis, she puts together and weaves together this, what's called the Magnificat. You know what the Magnificat means, by the way? For those of you that are, I don't know, just really interested in these little things. It's called the Magnificat because that's the Latin for the very first phrases that are used by Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's the Latin for that. Magnificat. So we could call it the magnifier. If you want it to be English. And not Latin this morning. Anyway, here's Mary. Singing this song of praise to God. Glorifying God. And I want you to pray with me this morning, before we look at the four specific things that she prays and praises God in her hymn for. Father, it is such a blessing to be able to gather together here, to be able to praise you, to worship you, to know you, and to rejoice in you. And Lord, I pray this morning... That you'd help us, you'd help us by your spirit to understand the significance of this gift of praise. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is a very difficult time for a lot of people. There are lots and lots of challenges that people face. There's a lot of pain during Christmas time. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of concern. There's, there's a lot of things that are going on in people's lives during Christmas. And for a lot of people, Christmas is not a joyous time. For a lot of people, it's a very depressing time. It's a very sad time. It's a challenging time. They feel like they don't have enough resources. They feel like they don't have enough friends. They feel like they don't have uh, a control that they want to have over their lives. And it's very, very difficult for people. Maybe as you look at this world and all the things, even the songs that you hear on the radio and as you're shopping, maybe there's moments in your life where you also, as you listen to all of that, just instead of feeling uplifted, you feel down and depressed. You're thinking about all the people that you want to give gifts to and then you show up at church and your pastor's telling you, you've got to give a gift to Jesus. Let me talk to you about that. And you're thinking, I can't handle what i got to do for my family. Not so sure I can handle this. I want to say this because it's true of all the gifts that we're going to talk about. The gifts that you give to God, last week availability, this week praise. All the gifts that you give, give to the Lord that we're going to be talking about together, they will give back to you beyond measure. It's not like you're giving something up that you're not going to benefit from or be blessed from. Mary was available. She said, be it done unto me according to your will. Availability. And look at what we have. And look at what God did. And then Mary comes here to this portion. She's been through a lot. She's dealing with a lot. I'm not sure Joseph knows yet about this whole thing. When she goes to visit Elizabeth and and is trying to wrap her, her brain around this whole thing. I'm not sure Joseph knows yet. I'm not sure there's too many other people in the family that know yet. And she's still wrestling with the fact that she is going to be an outcast. She is going to be rejected. She is going to have the scarlet letter put on her. Life for her is not exciting. That wonderful picture that we have in the back or the manger scene up here in the front doesn't reflect, doesn't reflect that serene, sweet, peaceful experience that I'm sure Mary was dealing with. She was confident in God, but life was anything, anything but calm. And yet she comes and she begins to praise God. Because her focus is not on the people that are going to reject her. Her focus is not on the world. She is a nobody from nowhere. She's from Nazareth. And yet she is going to become the laughing stock of Nazareth and, and she's going to have to face the potential of leaving Nazareth, finding another place to live and who knows what's going to happen to her. She might be stoned to death because of the religious legal system. In spite of all of that, in the midst of all of that, her focus turns away. Listen. Her focus turns away from all that is in the world, all that is so bad, all that is negative, all the potential problems. She turns away from all of that. And what does she do? She turns her eyes toward God. First lesson this morning. The first lesson this morning is that when you give the the gift of praise, it focuses you to turn your eyes toward heaven and toward God. And that takes an awful lot of pressure away. It really does. It brings perspective, which is what this song is about. Perspective. And I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to start from the last hymn and the last phrase of the hymn and work my way towards the front, if you'll allow me. So this morning we're going to talk about the fourth aspect of her praise and then work our way back to the first. You'll notice in verses 51 through 55 that she describes the historic and prophetic accomplishments of God. And you'll also notice that as she is describing these things they are all in past tense. They're all in past tense. And we have an incredible, uh, beautiful language that is used in order to help us to understand the, the the things that are wanting to be said by Mary. You see, every one of these that are in past tense, they are in fact in the aorist in the Greek, which is all Greek to you probably. But what it means is this. What it means is that it's, it's in the language and, and the structure grammatically in the aorist, which means that as Mary is saying it, she's saying it as a past event or a past thing that is considered to be finished and done for all time. You understand? So when she makes these declarations, when she sings this, When she says, for example, He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry. He has sent away the rich empty hand. He has given help to Israel, His servant. All of those are past tense, but they're structured in the Greek language where Mary is basically singing and saying, He has, and it's a done deal for all time. He can take it to the bank today. So what is it that God has done? She's praising us as she's thinking about the Psalms that she knows, and she says he has scattered and destroyed the proud. You see evidence of that in the Old Testament, but you also see evidence of that in the New Testament and on into the future in the book of Revelation. God is going to do that which He has always done. He's going to destroy the proud. Destroy the proud. And she's praising them. She's praising her Lord because it is this child that she carries that is going to do this, and it's the same child she carries that did it in the past and will do it in the future. She praises him that he'll bring down rulers, lifting up the humble. He's done it. He'll do it. It's the child that will accomplish it in the future. It's the same child who was before time with God forever. Forever. No beginning and no end. Who did it then, doing it now, will do it in the future. That's what she's saying. This, this child will fill the hungry and send the rich away empty. Boy, when you look at the scriptures and you think of passages like James and other places where it talks about God resisting the proud but giving grace to the humble and talks about those who are rich, you better be weary and you better mourn because you're going to lose it all or the example in the new testament about the rich young ruler who it was too much he couldn't give it up over and over again and then this last one in verses 54 and 55 where he talks about she talks about in, in her song that God will fulfill his covenant promises you see what it says He's given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. This whole segment of her hymn of praise has nothing to do with her circumstances, it has everything to do with her God. <laughs> How many of you are discouraged when you turn on the news? How many of you want to throw something at your TV sometimes? <laughs> how many just of lo- you just love it when, when the politician says one thing and does another and two weeks later says something else and you know lies coming out of this place and that place and both, out, both sides of the mouth and so on? I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You look at the world that we live in, four young children were killed because they would not denounce Jesus Christ. Their heads were... Child, they were killed because they were believers. They were Christians. You look at what's happening in Syria. You look at what's happening in Iraq. You look at what's happening all over the world and the things that are going on. And sometimes if you look at all of that, you focus on all of that, you really have to sit down and weep and howl and wail and pull your hair out. And then... When you start to look up, when you start to give Him praise, when you rejoice that He is able to do what He's always done, and not only that, He is going to. He's going to. It's not just looking back and saying, oh, look what He did. It wouldn't be wonderful if He did it again. He will. He does. He does. He does. Then I want to take you to the next stanza, if you will. The next three stanzas deal specifically with Mary. She's looking now at her own life, and she, she praises God for his amazing work in his life. In her life, rather, excuse me. God's amazing work in her life. And there are three things that she describes in verses 49 and 50. His power, his holiness, and his mercy. His power, his holiness, and his mercy. She gives God praise for his power. Says, the mighty one has done great things for me. Really? Really? Now, come on. You know the story. Mary is committed to being married to Joseph. She's as good as Mary. And then the angel shows up and says, You're going to have a child. She doesn't know a man. Really? She sings. The mighty one has done great things for me. Really? See, her focus is not on this world. Her focus is not on her circumstances. Her focus is not on the people. Her focus is not even on her husband, Joseph. Her focus is on God. He has done great things for me. He's the mighty one. He does the impossible. He has given me the privilege of bearing the Son of Almighty God. (laughs) He has done great things. Song of praise. His power. His holiness. His holiness. It's like a rushing wind blowing out the dust of sin and filling her completely and totally with the holy child which is also, by the way, in the beginning of chapter 1. The holy child will be born. And then his mercy, his gracious, loving, faithful commitment, his mercy, his mercy. Keep in mind, again, please, the circumstances are not good. Most of the time when you and I praise God, we say, oh, praise you, Thank you so much. You've done so many good things for me. We're thinking about the raise. We're thinking about the fact that we've got a new car. We're thinking about shoes. We're thinking about clothes. We're thinking about paying the electric bill. We're thinking about so many things that can be taken away just like that. Mary's not looking at any of that. Mary's looking at this incredible, incredible, incredible reality that God has invaded her body (laughs) God has invaded her body with his power his holiness and his mercy she's not looking around her she's looking up go up to the next stanza above that one just one phrase in the 48th verse, the second part of the 48th verse, where she says, Behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. And some people would say, boy, what what kind of what kind of hubris, what kind of pride, you know, everybody's gonna call me blessed. You know, you kind of get the picture, not of Mary, but when you hear that phrase, you kind of get the picture of somebody kind of walking like, yeah, I'm somebody. All right. Is she? Is she somebody? You bet she's somebody. She's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Who else? Who else? Who else can claim that? Nobody. Nobody. Everybody's going to call me blessed. And they do. Do you know that? All over the world. Almost every religion. She is blessed. They call her blessed. And she praises God because... God has blessed her. (laughs) I just want you to think about something. When people saw Jesus, who did they see? I mean, before all this, you know, spiritual stuff and everything else, here's this little boy growing up. Who did Jesus look like? Like a little boy. But like what little boy? Mary's little boy. People saw Jesus, they saw Mary. That's Mary's baby. (laughs) He resembled his mother, he carried her DNA minus sin. i got to go on to the next stanza. And then I'll try and pull this all together. The first part of verse 48, she says, He has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. He has had regard for the humble state, his choice of the humble, desperate, and the needy. Now again, I want you to consider this. I want you to think about this in the context. Did she need from a human perspective? From a human perspective, was this, was this an answer to her need? From a worldly perspective, from the perspective of humanity and her future life with Joseph, was this a need? No, she had a, she had a good husband. She had someone that was planning. She had someone that was going to take care of her and did take care of her. She was not in a position of need as we consider need. But spiritually she had a need. 400 years the Bible was silent. No word from God. All of Israel was crying out for a word from God. And in the beginning the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And she is saying, she is saying, Praise you God that you have seen my need And you've seen my humble heart, and you have blessed me. Praise God for his anointing. Praise God for his teaching. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5 Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble. Jesus said in Isaiah 61, he quotes from Isaiah 61. The spirit of God is upon me to preach release to the captive to bless the poor and so on. Hmm. Psalm 34:18 tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted the humble Those who know they have a spiritual need. See, you you understand that now when you look at this, you see a hymn, a hymn of praise that comes from the depth of her soul. And Mary is saying, I am so so rejoicing in my heart and I give you praise that you've considered me. You know my need and you've met my need. I praise you because in meeting my need, you have blessed my life forever. Forever and ever and ever. And people will call me blessed. I praise you because of the amazing work that you do in my life. Your power and your holiness and your mercy. By the way, don't you think she could sing this song over and over and over and over and over again? By the way, don't you think we can too? You see, when anyone when anyone recognizes their need for a Savior, they're just in the same boat Mary was in. And what happens when somebody comes humbly before God? God invades their life. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes when we respond in faith, and He invades our lives. Just as God overshadowed Mary and Jesus was born in her womb, God overshadows everyone who places their trust in Christ and engulfs them, comes to live inside them. And by the way, Mary said, everybody will call me blessed. Guess what? In the scriptures, the Bible says that you and I, because of Jesus in us, we are blessed. Blessed. In the time of the judgment of the sheeps and the goats, at the end time, Jesus is going to say to those who are believers, Come, blessed of my Father. That's us! And I pray it's every one of you. We're all blessed. Mary says that people are going to call me blessed. Generations. Well, guess what? Revelation tells us that you and I are going to be, for eternity, the blessed of God. <laughs> Don't you love it? And not only that, but we also, just like Mary, praise Him because it's His power that saves us, it's His holiness that cleanses us, and it's His mercy that forgives us. But look at this hymn of praise it's a hymn that's all about Him, (laughs) it's a song of rejoicing. And then I want you to catch the very two verses that start this off. And I want you to really embrace this this morning because Mary says, verse 46, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Do you know what that means? I know, most of you are saying, Bob, we just read it, we know English. (laughs) My soul exalts... The Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord. If you look at the construction of that, it means my soul makes God great. Did you know you can make God bigger than God is? <laughs> That's what Mary's saying. Mary is saying that my soul enlarges God. Can you enlarge God? No, God is God. But the point of the hymn, the point of the song, the point of Mary's heart is that it is her soul. It is her, all of her, her soul and her spirit that looking and gazing up to heaven and seeing God in all of his amazement and wonder and glory, the result of that is an enlarged God in Mary. You understand? So when you give God the gift of praise, what are you doing? You are enlarging God in your life. You're making him great in your life. You're making him more powerful in your life. You're making him more holy in your experience. You're making His mercy more effective and more of you becomes engulfed by Him. The gift of praise. Be you down in the dumps? You got a problem? You have difficulties? Are you depressed, discouraged, whatever the case may be? Start giving Him the gift of praise. God dwells in the praises of His people. Praise Him. As David says, because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise Him because He's chosen you. Praise Him because He loves you. Praise Him because His power is adequate to transform you. Praise Him that He can come and totally engulf you and invade your life. Praise Him for He is strong. And the same God that parted the Red Sea By the way, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm not so sure about that new movie coming out. Another whatever. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, regardless of that movie. Please forgive me. Unnecessary comment. But what I want you to understand and what I want you to leave here with today is that all that God has done He has not changed. The same God who's done all that he's done is available to do it again in your life and mine today. Some of you need to have red seas in your life parted. He can do that. But why why should he do that if you're not humble enough to cry out to him? Why should he do that if you're not humble enough to come to him and say, Here I am. Here I am, help me. And not here I am, help me so that I can be rich. And not here I am, help me so that I can have a good life. Here I am, help me so I can win the lottery. Here I am, help me so I can have the nice car. Here I am. You know what? The more you focus on that, the more miserable you're going to get. But I guarantee you, the more you lift your eyes toward heaven and give him the praise that is due him that he's worthy of, the more blessed and encouraged you will be. And then guess what? Whatever you get will be a bonus. Whatever you do will be a bonus. Whatever you experience in this life of God's goodness will only cause more gratitude in your heart. Give Him the gift of praise. Give Him the gift that keeps on giving over and over and over again. Enlarge God. Enlarge God. Some of you have too small a God because you haven't been praising him enough Father this morning we are so blessed and so encouraged and so thankful that you love us you want to overshadow us just as you did Mary you want to engulf us just as you did Mary you want with your power and your holiness and your mercy to transform us Just as you did Mary, you want to do in us what you've done in her. You want to accomplish in and through us so many incredible things that we do not even know. And so this morning we come humbly before you, O God. And we join with Mary in singing this song of praise. We declare this morning, Father, that our soul and our spirits give you praise. Our soul exalts you. Our spirit rejoices in you. Father unite our heart unite our hearts and our heart to worship you to give you praise to glorify your name and all of these things that we've looked at today for Mary they are available for us too right here right now and so father lead us lead us to have Lord the insight this morning to know that it's not about performance. It's about coming before you in humility. So grateful, so grateful. We praise you, all in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you have been spoken to by the Lord and you need to, you need to call on Him humbly and experience power of transformation, or you just you just have a need in your heart, and you just want somebody to pray with you, whatever it is this morning, we're here to pray for you, we're here to, to seek to minister to you, because we want you to leave here more like Mary than when you came. We want you to leave with a heart that is focused on looking up, not down. Looking to Him, not all around. seeing you respond if the Lord spoke to your heart. You don't have to come up or anything, right where you are you can talk to him too. But we're available to you. Let's